Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. If you have your Bibles open with me in Psalms chapter 23, I'm doing a series this month called I Want My Soul Back. And a lot of times people don't realize that the greatest area that God wants to do a work in our lives is in the area of our soul. And here in Psalms 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, and the way the Lord showed it to me, to the same degree that I trust God and allow God to be my shepherd, the more he really does take care of me. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me. His leading is beside the still waters. And there's just a great teaching on this because sheep are skittish by noise. And, and um, you know, so by the still waters where it's calm, where you have refreshing water all the time. But here in verse 3 is where uh, the foundation of this message comes from. He restoreth my soul. Say, I want my soul back. He restores our soul. So first of all, we have to understand if he restores our soul, that must mean that maybe our soul got damaged somewhere in our lives, okay? And then he goes on and and says, and he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, and though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. See, when your soul is restored, it doesn't matter where you're at, you know God's going to take care of you. You are with me, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of our enemies. Where is our enemy at? This is not when we get to heaven someday, folks. The enemy is here on the earth. God's saying, listen, I want to give you a wonderful life. I want to prepare a table for you in the presence of the enemy. You know, one of the greatest things you can do to the enemy is just to bless his enemies Isn't that something? Think about it. You know, one of the greatest ways you can insult the enemy is by blessing those that he's attacking. You know, you just go in and say, you know what? Listen, you're you're saying a lot of negative things about this person, but I'm going to go in and say a lot of positive things about this person. I'm going to turn around your your intentions of harm, and I'm going to bless this person. What's the greatest thing you can do, you know, to, to irritate your enemy, and that is bless those that he is trying to persecute? Step in, you know, and, you know, the other day, you know, I got, you know, it it made me feel pretty good, but a friend of mine who's not quite as large as I am in stature said, you know, Brother Tom, he said, I know if you were with me and someone, you know, was trying to give me a hard time, you would step in. Well, absolutely, I'd step in, you know, and and he said, I'd let you step in because you're so big. But anyway, uh, (laughs) no, but, but, but we're connected, you know, and because we're connected to God, God is going to make sure that our enemy is not going to be victorious in our lives. So he prepares a table in the presence of our enemy. He anoints our head with oil. Our cups runs over. For surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all, say all, all the days of our lives. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, and so a, a, a person you know, who's in a place where I'm not seeing this. I don't know why all these other things are going on. Really, the truth is your soul has been damaged because you're not really seeing all of the goodness of God. You're allowing negative things to be more magnified than what God has really done in your life. The Bible says the very breath that you breathe comes from God. One of the greatest miracles I believe that all of us have experienced is the miracle of salvation. Because when you received Christ, something supernatural took place. Number one, all your sins were forgiven. 
And number two, you were created in his very image and the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. That's why he can lead you. That's why he can comfort you. That's why he can help you. But a lot of times our soul is damaged through things that we walk through in this particular life. And so he says, yes, there are times I'm going to have to restore your soul. So in order for us to understand what that really means, we need to understand what is our soul. The Bible tells us in Genesis 1.26 that God created man in his image. And we know that we serve God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We call it the Trinity, don't we? Okay? A three-part God. Well, if we're creating his image, we're a three-part person. First Thessalonians says that we have a spirit, we have a soul, and we have a body. So therefore, we're a three-part person. Well, what is our soul? Well, the word soul, majority of the time, especially in the Greek, is translated from a Greek word that we get our word psychology from, or psyche. Okay, and the word mind, will, emotions are translated from that same word or a derivative of that same Greek word. So our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And what is the number one thing that hinders us from receiving from God? And that is our reasoning. And that's why the Bible says a carnal-minded person or our reasoning is an enmity or it's an enemy against God's plan. We can reason out the promises of God. And this is why he says, I want to restore your soul so we're not reasoning out based on what's going on in our life or in this world why God can't bless us this time. God's blessed us before. Why can't he bless you again? You know, we just sang a song. He's a way maker. Even though I don't see it, he's working. God is always working. God is always has things in motion. God is providing, according to his divine power, all things, say all things, that pertain to life and godliness. He wants you to have these things, but we have to have our souls renewed and restored so that we can get this understanding that it's God's plan for us to receive these things. For the word restore means to restore. It also means to refresh. Sometimes we get weary in our souls. That's why the Bible says don't get weary in well-doing for in due season. Due season. Due season. Folks, there's a due season for some things. You know, sometimes we plant a seed or we do an act of kindness or we do something, you know, uh, believe in God, that God will bless that and multiply it. But, you know, there's a due season for that. Just like there's due seasons for certain types of things that you plant in your garden. If you plant a radish today, you'll probably have a radish seed today. You'll probably have radishes in two weeks. But if you plant squash, it's going to take until fall before you can get some squash or you can get some pumpkins or you can get some corn, you know. But the truth is that the longer it takes to germinate, the greater that it produces. You know, look how many kernels of corn you get from one seed. I mean, you get hundreds of kernels of corn from one seed. But look how many radishes you get from one radish seed. One radish, usually. One radish. Isn't that right? And so, you know, the longer it takes, the greater the manifestation. So, you know, don't get weary in due season, the Bible says. Don't get weary in standing on the Word of God. Don't get weary in your confessions. Don't get weary in believing God. Somebody say, I want my soul back. So he needs to refresh us and remind us that he is doing a work for our lives. Sometimes it means to repair. Our souls get hurt. You know, part of our souls are feelings. 
You know, in fact, most of our soul is about feelings. It's about emotions, the mind, the will, and the emotions. And sometimes our emotions, if we're not careful, can cause us to make wrong decisions. I know that's never happened to any of you because I can see the halos over your head. But, you know, I have made decisions based on emotions. I have reacted instead of responded from time to time in my particular life because of an emotion, because of a feeling I have. You know, if you have a feeling that someone doesn't like you and they walk in the room, do you go, go up to them and say, man, it's so good to see you? If you have this feeling that someone's been talking about you and saying negative things about you, or maybe they really have been, you know, aren't you so glad to see them when they walk in the room? You're not. And your emotions want to rise up. And you want to help God cause them not to waste good air anymore. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Somebody say, I want my soul back. You know, all of us have been hurt. All of us have gone through things, and there's things in life that hurt us. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's what people think about us. Sometimes it's what we think people think about us. You know, sometimes there's a death. Sometimes there's things that are out of our control. There are issues that we can't always control, and it hurts us. And this is why he said, I will repair that, or I will give recompense. He said, I will, I will take you to a place that will be better than it was before the hurt ever came in. I will cause you to recover from those challenges that go on in your life. And so the key to your soul being restored, somebody say, I want my soul back. The key to your soul being restored starts with the renewing of your mind. And that's why it says in Romans 12, 1, 2, 1 and 2, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world. What does the world say? Be a victim. What does the world say? Blame somebody else. What does the world say? Wear your feelings on your shoulders. What does the world say? Go back and get back what was stolen from you. That's what the world says. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is good, acceptable, and a perfect will of God. And the word renewing, and many of you have heard me teach this on, you know, in the area of, of understanding words, but I-N-G is after the word renew. Renew is an event, but renewing is a continuation of an event, Okay, and so renewing means it's a constant process, it's a renewal, it's a renovation, it's a complete change for the better. In fact, it, uh, uh, one of the things about renewing is this, and that is it can make it new again, return back to the new state. R-E means return, and new means the new state. And so God has constantly given us an opportunity to be brought back to that new state he created us in. Now, can you imagine what life would be if you never had your feelings hurt? What would life be if you never got hurt in life? You never had a bad day. You never had a bad moment. That everything was perfect all your life. Well, you know what? God wants to renew your mind back to the place that you don't remember the former things. Somebody say, I want my soul back. So he's, he's in that. And that you may be transformed. It goes renewing of the mind that you may prove which is a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your, your mind. The word transform comes from a Greek word called metamorpho, which we got our word metamorphosis from. And if you remember from biology and science, you know that caterpillars go through a metamorphosis to become butterflies. 
You know, isn't it amazing that that old ugly caterpillar all of a sudden goes into the cocoon and comes out beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? But you know, there's like 92 different creatures, including mammals, that go through metamorphosis. You know, frogs start out as tadpoles, don't they? And they go through a metamorphosis. You know, kangaroos start out as just a little bitty, you know, I don't know what it is, but they go into the belly or the pouch of, of the mother and they stay there and they come out like a baby joey, a baby kangaroo's called joey, you know, a joey kangaroo. They, you know, there's a metamorphosis that they go through, you know. But what's so interesting about this particular thing about metamorphosis is I was looking at it yesterday and it came to my mind this, that in most situations where there's a metamorphosis, there has to be a separation from. You know, the caterpillar goes into a cocoon. The kangaroo goes into a pouch. And there has to be a separation from the outward elements. You know, the tadpole has to live in a pond or under a lily pad or something like that. You know, there has to be a separation for that metamorphosis to bring its full tuition in that particular animal's life. And sometimes for us to experience God's metamorphosis in our lives, we have to separate ourselves from the negative things or the harmful things that go on in this world, hello somebody, called CNN, CBS, ABC, or the local news, and I'm not bashing the media, I'm just saying sometimes we have to separate ourselves from what's going on in the world so that God can do that work of metamorphosis in our lives. And that's why it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed through the renewing of your mind. See, the world doesn't know how to give good news. And we have to understand that. And that's why it's so important that we listen to the Word of God on a regular basis. You know, somebody asked me the other day, he said, well, what do you think of this particular report that came out? And I said, I haven't heard about it. They said, you haven't heard that report? No, I haven't heard anything about that report. And they said, well, how come you haven't heard it? I said, because I don't listen to those things. <laughs> That's just the bottom line, you know. Well, it's all over. Every, everybody has heard about it. Well, I haven't heard anything. Well, what do you think about it? Well, I can't comment on something I don't know anything about. So I'm in a good situation because I can't say anything negative about the situation because I don't know anything about the situation. Isn't that wonderful? And number two, I'm not going to let it affect me because I don't know anything about it. I said, well, I'll tell you what I am going to do if you want my advice. I said, I'm going to keep my eyes on the Lord and keep on pursuing God. That's what I'm going to do. You know why? Because I'm in a metamorphosis. I'm in a place of being renewed. I'm in a place of being transformed. I'm in a place that God is, you know, restoring me back to that place he wants me to be. And why does he want me to be in that place of total restoration so I can receive from him? What is the number one reason why we can't receive from God? Because our soul has been damaged. Somebody say, I want my soul back. And so he wants to transform us. He wants us to understand that we have been transformed. The Bible says he made him who knew no sin to become sin in order that we may become the righteousness of God. Did you know you're in, you're in the very right standing with God? Did you know you're in just as much right standing with God as Jesus was? You know, that's hard for some of us as well. Yeah, but you don't know what I did yesterday. I cussed yesterday. Well, you know God's already forgiven you of that? It's not a big deal, you know? God's not moved by the wrong things you do. God's moved by the right things that he has done for you. And he wants you to receive that goodness. The Bible tells us it's the goodness of God that leads a person to repentance. It's the goodness of God that brings people back to God. It's the goodness of God that causes people to say, you know what, God, I want more of you because you are so good. Somebody say, I want my soul back. 
And so he wants to restore our souls. So metamorphosis is the process which animals undergo extreme rapid physical change uh, sometime after their birth. That's the definition of metamorphosis. I'm going to say it one more time. Metamorphosis is the process by which animals undergo extreme rapid physical changes. Because when you were born again, after your spiritual birth, you were changed. Actually, in the blink of an eye. Your spirit was created in the very image of God. Amen? So go with me to Luke chapter 4. And as you do, say, I want my soul back. Tell your neighbor, I'm getting my soul back. And my wife and I, we say this to each other. You know, I, I, uh, I don't know how long ago it was when I, I shared this particular series, but, you know, years ago. And we say this on a regular basis. I'm getting my soul back. I'm not letting the devil steal my soul. And my spirit's okay, but it's my soul. I'm not going to let what goes on around me affect what God has for me. I want my soul back. So here in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, Jesus uh, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found a place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed upon him. Why? Because... The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And this was God himself proclaiming his Word. And it had so much authority because God was saying this. And they're just going, wow. As many times as we've heard in the Levitical priests share the Scripture, this is the first time that this Word has been shared with the Spirit of God on the inside of it. Well, thank God you got the Spirit of God on the inside of you. And that's what happens when you speak the word of God. You release the authority of God when you begin to speak the word of God. And people are amazed. Why are you saying that? You know, I was around a bunch of clergy who didn't have the understanding of confession and speaking the word of God. And I spoke what the scripture said. And they all just looked at each other like, uh, yeah, that's right. We never thought of it that way. And I'm not, you know, uh, trying to... uh, uh, belittle them anyway they just didn't have that same revelation that i have because when we speak the word of god we're literally speaking god into the situation because the word is god and so here jesus is for the very first time he's god he's speaking the word of god and all their eyes are upon him it says all the eyes of who were in the synagogue were fixed upon him and he began to say to them today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing so all who bore witness to him and marveled at his gracious words were proceeded out of his mouth and they said, is this not the son of Joseph? And so they begin to wonder, well, how, what, what's going to happen to this guy? Because we've known him as a son of Joseph. Obviously, God has something for his life. But one of the things that he said was this, preach the gospel to the poor. What is good news to the poor? Anybody want to know what good news to the poor is? You don't have to be poor no more. You know, God wants to bless you. But, you know, the rest of this is really talking to you about your soul. And even to prosper, you know, you, you have to prosper in your soul because John said, Beloved, above all things, I wish you may prosper and be in health even as your soul 
prosperous. So even financial prosperity comes from your soul being restored. Somebody say, I want my soul back. And so the word broken heart, it means to be break or to break into pieces, broken to shivers, tread down, crush, tear one's body, and shatters one's strength. And so one of the very first things Jesus said, you know, I came to help your soul. I came to help renew your brokenhearted. I came to fix the hurt. I came to heal the grief. I came to heal the sorrow that you've experienced in your life. You know, Jesus doesn't want you to carry sorrow in your life. Somebody say, I want my soul back. And so he came to heal, to mend back together, to complete, to restore your soul to that place where it was never hurt, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Well, what happens when our soul is hurt? What happens when our feelings are hurt? What happens when we're dealing with grief and sorrow in our lives or disappointment? We're oppressed. Let's just be real about it. Let's not deny that we're not oppressed. We're oppressed. We're oppressed by the event. We're oppressed by what the person said. We're discouraged by the situation that we went through, whether it was a death or a divorce or, or a, a disappointment or a betrayal, whatever it was. We are oppressed by that, and Jesus does not want us oppressed by that. And that is the biggest trick of the enemy is that he wants to magnify some of the things that we go through in this life. And the truth is that 90% of us only experience 10% of negativity in our life, but a lot of times we spend 90% of our time focusing on the 10% of negative things that have gone on in our lives. And we shouldn't do that. We should focus on the goodness of God. You know, if you are struggling, begin to thank God that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Begin to thank God that you're born again. Begin to thank God you're a child of God. There's already been a process of metamorphosis in your life. Begin to dwell on those things which are pure, the Bible says, and lovely, and those things which are of of good report, and the peace or the completion. That's what the word peace means there. And the completion of God will guard your heart. You'll begin to realize you're complete in Christ. You don't need anything more but but what you've already had. And so the enemy's so good at trying to trap you into this and, and put you in captivity that you're just not good enough. You're just not going to experience all that God has for you because of certain things that have gone on or because of certain people who are coming against you. But you know what? It's not true. And then Jesus said, I came to set you free from that thought. Somebody say, I want my soul back. And so to heal the broken heart, to proclaim liberty to the captives and to recover sight to the blind. And this is what happens so many times. Somebody say, I want my soul back. This is what happens so many times is that we begin to lose sight of what God has done for us. What did God say to Moses when he was up against the Red Sea and the Pharaoh army was behind him and he had a bunch of very glad, joyful people who were following him? Not. Not. You know, they weren't happy anymore. You brought us out here to kill us, didn't you? You know, And so Moses said, Lord, what do I do? And God said, fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. What did God have to do? He had to open up Moses' eyes. I never, I'll never forget the time that I was going through probably one of the most challenging times of my life. And I was dealing with major disappointment. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, kind of in that place of, you know, kind of complaining to God and asking God why he allowed certain things to happen and, you know, on and on. And then one day, you know, I was sitting there and the Lord visited me. And I'm telling you, he visited me. I could sense his presence in that room. 
He came and visited me. And I have this saying, you know, and one of the sayings that I say a lot of times is that failure is not a person, failure is an event. And God doesn't make failures in the kingdom of God, you know. And God spoke to me. He said, you know how you say that all the time? I said, yeah, I know how I say that. I mean, I, I really believe that. He said, well, disappointment's not a person either. But disappointment is an event. And he said, what did my son do when Peter tried to cause a disappointment? I knew exactly. I mean, I, I, I'd studied those scriptures. I knew exactly what he was saying to me. Because when Peter told Jesus, after he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, and then Pete, uh, Jesus began to explain to Peter, well, I'm going to go to the cross, and Peter took him away and rebuked him, you know, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, didn't he? He said, get behind me, Satan, for you're an offense to me. What was Peter trying to do? He was trying to separate Jesus from his divine appointment. So what is a disappointment? A disappointment is an appointment that wasn't fulfilled or an expectation that didn't happen in your life. You know, you're thinking, well, you know, I gave my wife a big surprise birthday when she turned 50, and I'm fixing to turn 50, and she's going to give me a big surprise birthday party, and nothing happens, and you're disappointed because you have this expectation that you thought of, that you thought you should have experienced because you did it for somebody else, but you didn't experience, so now you have an expectation not fulfilled. Well, there are divine disappointments that the enemy tries to bring in our lives, and it happens usually through people. But people aren't, aren't are a disappointment. Disappointment's not a person. Disappointment is an event that may be caused by people. And so as I'm in the presence of God, I begin to realize what he was saying in the Scripture. He was saying to me, you know, hey, what did my son do when Peter tried to cause a disappointment? He said, I said, he said, get behind me. He said, if you'll rise up and... Repent for calling people disappointments and command those disappointments to get behind you. You'll begin to see clearly again. And the truth was that this point was so great in my life that I thought, am I even called to be in the ministry? Am I even called to be a pastor? You know, will I ever recover? Will I ever see God's plan for my life? I just couldn't see clearly. I was so confused by the disappointment. So I went into our den and I told my wife, I said, I just had a visitation from God. I said, this is what he told me to do. And we grabbed hands, and I asked God to forgive me for calling people disappointments. And I said, I command every disappointment to get behind me. And bam, I mean, it was just like driving through fog, and all of a sudden the fog lifted. It was like, man, I can see. God's got a plan for my life. Wow, praise God. And that was the beginning of my soul being restored again. And this is what God wants to do. Somebody say, I want my soul back. He wants to restore your expectation for his plans in your life. And it's all about your soul. If you can't expect God to do great things, you need to ask yourself, what's in my soul that has hindered me from being able to receive what God has for my life? We go through life sometimes and we get delays and we begin to tell ourselves, well, maybe we miss God. Well, that's a possibility. And then we begin to tell ourselves, well, maybe we're too old. Well, we can never enjoy. Well, let me just ask you something. Was Abraham too old when he had a child at 99 years old? And what happened after Sarah died? He married again. And he had concubines. In other words, he had more than one wife. And he had many nations, as God promised him. He lived another 54 years. 
How many of you would say if God added another 54 years on your life, that would be good? Huh? And it was a great 54 years life. You know, I mean, he was no slouch. You know, he was a man of, 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 of dignity. He was a man of influence during those times. Did God restore him? Did God fulfill his promise? Was he too old? Well, I guess God didn't think he was too old. Hello, somebody. To have a kid at 99 years old, you know what that means? That means he had to have a college fund at 129. (laughs) He had grandchildren after that. Come on, somebody. You're never too old. Tell your neighbor you're never too old. Tell your other neighbor, I'm getting my soul back. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over. As long as you have breath in your body, it's not over. As long as you have breath in your body, it's not over. God still has a plan for your life. Tell your neighbor, it's not over. As, as Greg Moore said to us, the deal is still on. Praise God. So he wants to open up your eyes because we get so blinded by some of the challenges that we've been through in this, in, in this life. Well, we're so blinded by the circumstances that we've gone through or the disappointments that we got, we've gone through that we can't obviously receive or we can't see what God wants to do for our lives. Somebody say, I want my soul back. And so Jesus said this in, in John chapter 14. Go there with me. Are you learning something this morning? How many of you are going to start declaring, I'm getting my soul back? Amen. I tell you what, it is such a wonderful area of our life that God wants to do. He wants to do that soul restoration so much in us so that we are so renewed that it's like, you know, when God says, hey, I want to bless you, you go, all right, bring it on. You you know, I tell you, when God says he wants to bless me, the spirit of Clint Eastwood comes on me. I go, make my day. (laughs) You know, come on, bring it on. Go ahead, God. Let me see what you can do. Go ahead and show off. I'll let you bless me. Amen. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, and we do use it in a lot of funeral services just to comfort people. But Jesus said this. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Okay? So that's not a suggestion. He's telling us, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. Jesus is giving us some information here. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. You know, it's not a suggestion. It's like a command, isn't it? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said, we don't know where you're going, Lord. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And one of the things that Jesus said right after he said, let not your heart be troubled, he said, believe God, believe also in me. In other words, Jesus said, if God will do it for me, he'll do it for you. How many of you know Jesus was crucified? Hmm? Beaten to an unrecognizable person, and yet God raised him up on the third day. If God's going to raise his son up, He's going to raise you up. Hello, somebody. Come on. Don't let your heart be troubled. You know, when, when, when Vicky and I go through challenges, many times we, 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 yes, it hurts. Yes, we get discouraged sometimes. We're human just like everybody else. But then we just tell ourselves, you know what? We're going to see God do something special here. We're a candidate to see God do something 
You know, we're a candidate to see God restore. We're, we're a candidate to let God re- reconcile. We're a, we're a candidate for all that. We're going to see God do something better, more than what the devil took from us or stopped us from having. This is why we're so full of faith and expectation for the vision that God's put in our house. And yes, we've been challenged by people. Well, you've been believing God for 25 years. That's exactly right. And if I have to believe God for another 25 years, I will because I have a vision from God. I have a word from God. And you can't take it away from me. As, as Vicky so eloquently spoke, you know, on Thursday night about Abraham, Abraham had a word, and he would not let that word be snuffed out. And the word was, you're going to have a child. And in the natural realm, there was no possible way. He was too old. Sarah was too old. But with God, come on, somebody, all things are possible. Can we really get that, you know, in us? It's in our spirit, but can we get it in our mind? You know, if we're struggling to get that in our minds, it's because we need our soul restored. Somebody say, I want my soul back. God is restoring our souls and getting us to the place that he can do that exceedingly abundantly above. You know, many of us, we're, we're satisfied with God just blessing us so that we can live a life of dignity. But God wants us to live more than a life of dignity. God wants us to be a blessing so that we can be a blessing to others. You know, wouldn't it be nice if you could walk in and you found a single mom who was struggling with her car payment and you went and said, uh, how much do you owe on your car? Here's a check. Go pay it off. Amen. You know, and you go and check your 401k or whatever your investment is and the very money that you sowed into that lady's woman was multiplied right there on the same day. Oh, yeah, I got it. It was given back to me. And that's the abundance of God. That's what God wants to do. God wants to increase you and bless you so you can be a blessing to others. This is what God wants for our lives. You know, we have a hard time sometimes just getting through the month. But when our soul begins to be restored, we can start seeing God, you know, do so much that we have more at the end of the month than we have month at the end of our paycheck. Amen? That's what God wants for our lives. It's about getting our minds renewed. Somebody say, I want my soul back. So Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. How? Hey, listen. If you got what God did for Jesus, he'll do for you. Jesus said, these works that I do, so shall you do, and greater, because I go unto my Father. How many of you believe that? How many of you really believe that? How many of you would honestly say, well, I want to believe that, but you know what? There's something in my soul that's trying to hinder me from that. Then say, I want my soul back. I'm getting my soul back. God's restoring me. God's reconciling my soul to the place that I can really believe God for the greater things in my life. So how do we get our souls back? Well, it's through the Word of God. Go with me to Isaiah 53. Am I doing okay this morning? Isaiah 53. We'll start with verse 1. Who's believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs, and he's carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. 
and the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And so the word of God's telling us that, you know, he borne our griefs. He carried our sorrows. Well, where are our griefs and our sorrows predominantly in our lives, in our souls? Somebody say, I want my soul back. Where does grief manifest in our souls? Where does sorrow manifest in our souls? He was bruised. You know, and one of the words for broken heart, rejected. He was despised. He had nothing about him in the natural realm that drew people to him. He did not have a charismatic look about him, but he had the anointing of God. That's the difference. That's what he said, I'm anointed to. I don't have a charismatic gift to. I don't have this great look that draws people. No, I'm anointed. You're anointed too. You know, if you can't see yourself anointed, it's because probably you need your soul restored. Somebody say, I want my soul back. And so this is what God wants for your life. He wants you to begin to see that he's already borne these griefs. He's already carried these sorrows. And I'm not saying if you're struggling with grief, there's something wrong with you. But I am here to tell you that he wants to heal you of the grief. And he doesn't want the grief that you've experienced in life to hinder you from receiving all that he has for you. Say, I want my soul back. He wants you restored so that he can bless you and show you his salvation. This is his plan for your life. And so how do we get restored? Well, number one, through the word of God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, starts about, talk, tells a little bit about husbands, but really what Christ did for us. And it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wife just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. With the washing of the water by the word. You know, Vicki and I, we have challenges in life, and you know what we do? We just speak the word over each other. Not so, you're the head, not the tail. You're above only, not beneath. You're an anointed woman of God, I tell her. You know, God's using you in a great and mighty way. You know, this is God's plan for your life. You're a blessed girl, you know. I'm washing her with the water. I'm helping her renew her mind. I'm, I'm reaffirming God's plan for her life, you know. And that's what I do as a husband. Well, that's what Jesus did for us as a church. He renewed us with the washing of the water that he might what? Present her to himself a glorious church. In other words, God sees us as a glorious church without having spot or wrinkle. So what's the number one thing that hinders us from receiving God? That spot, that wrinkle. Well, I'm not perfect. Well, I didn't ask you to be perfect. You know, we've been married 36 years, and I just don't have that same physique that I had when we first got married. But she still loves me. I'm not perfect. I have wrinkles. Why? Because the love is greater than what the outer appearance shows. And that's the way God sees you. He sees you on the inside more than he sees you on the outside. Somebody say, I want my soul back. This is God's plan for your life. He wants you renewed. He doesn't really care what's on the outside. What he cares about is what's on the inside, and he wants to renew what's on the inside. And how is that done? Through the washing of the Word of God. And, you know, we begin to get this mindset that we're all right with God. Tell your neighbor, you're all right with God. You're all right with God, you know? You know, God thinks you're the bomb. You're the apple of his eye. He loves you, you know? Yeah, well, I'm just, you know, I, you know... Yeah, well, you know, all of us have excuses of why we can't receive from God, but God's erased those excuses. Isn't that wonderful? 
So it's through the word, blemish. That word, you know, that, that we may be without blemish means free from faultlessness. Free from faultlessness. Or free as a victim without spot or blemish. That's where God wants you to be. He wants to be free from that victim mentality. Well, secondly, he, we get our soul back through the regeneration of the Holy Ghost. This is why we love the presence of God in this house. There are times where, you know, I got this report just today. Pastor, you prayed for me last week, and bam, things just changed. Well, that's because the presence of God's in this house. Isn't that wonderful? I'm thankful for that. But that's the Holy Ghost doing. And sometimes the Holy Ghost can do more in a person's life in 30 seconds than 30 years of counseling. And I'm not against counseling. But God, bam, can do that. Now, when I was younger, I had, uh, uh, I was challenged with ADHD. I don't know what they call it today, but I was attention deficit and hyperactive. And I learned all about this after I got healed of it. But one of the manifestations uh, of that particular challenge in a person's life is that they can become suicidal. Well, I would never take my life. I was already pretty firm about that. But I went through a period before God healed me. I went through a period, and I'd wake up in the middle of the night, and my wife would say, what's wrong with you? I said, well, I don't know, but if God wanted to take me today, I, could, I wouldn't mind going. You know, I wouldn't mind dying right now. I, don't, I just don't know what it is, but, you know, I'm not going to take my life. I'm not there, but I don't really have a desire to live anymore. You know, well, what's going on? I mean, you know, you had an awesome ministry down there in Fort Worth. You had a, had a radio program going on. You had a great job. God was meeting your needs. What was going on? I can't tell you what was going on. I couldn't tell you what was going on. But I found out later on after I got healed as one of the symptoms of ADHD, just the moodiness and uh, some of those things that go on in a person's life. Well, during the revival, when we, uh, we were getting prayed for, you know, uh, one day there was an opportunity for me to get prayed for. And that opportunity wasn't always available because I was the altar call worker. People get saved and I go to the back with them and teach them about what they just happened and lead them into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, during, during those six weeks, I probably led close to a thousand people in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was just a wonderful, wonderful time. But, you know, I didn't get an opportunity to get prayed for because I'm ministering to people in the back room who just got saved and he's ministering to people. You know, and so after he got done praying and I got done ministering, you know, my wife was out somewhere in this 110,000 square foot church. And I had to walk through the church at, you know, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, sometimes 1 o'clock in the morning looking for my wife, find out where she was laid out. And she was so much under the power of God that literally I had to carry her to the car almost every night. And we were having a great move of God, you know, but I knew I needed a touch from God. And so one day, it was, it was a morning service, and so um, there wasn't very many people there. And so I got up to get prayed for, and he said, what, he said, what do you want? Well, I didn't tell him that, you know, I was struggling emotionally. I said, I don't know what I want, but I want something from God. I want God to change me. And bam, I mean, I went down. I mean, it wasn't a courtesy drop. I mean, I went down. And I, I would be still laying there if somebody hadn't woke me up, you know, that type thing. I don't know if I was asleep or whatever was going on, but somebody hadn't disturbed me, but somebody disturbed me to get me up. You know, and God did such a supernatural work in me, and I didn't even know he did a work in me. That one was so incredible. Somebody say, I want my soul back. And God did such a work in me. All of a sudden, you know, those thoughts of wanting to die, they never came back, you know. 
And all the ADHD disappeared. I was completely healed of that. Just a powerful, powerful presence of God. What is that? That's the regeneration of the Holy Spirit of God. That's why we say around here, you know, we want the Spirit and we want the Word. Because if you have the Word only, you'll dry up. If you have the Spirit only, you'll blow up. But with the Spirit and the Word of God, you'll grow up. And this is the balance that God has in this particular house. You know, we also experience the presence of God in this house, the Spirit of God flowing. So there's a regeneration through the Holy Spirit. Titus chapter 3, verse 5 says, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authority, to obey, be ready for every good work. Speak evil of no one. <clears throat> that one kind of got me yesterday. <laughs> Speak evil of no one. Well, there's just certain people, Lord, that I think are wasting good air. I said speak evil of no one. All right. Okay, Lord, that's what he said. Be peaceable, gentle. Uh, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedience. I was like, uh, uh, um, yep, that was me. You know, if you knew me in high school, man, I mean, I challenged authority every day, you know. And uh, I was very disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and evil, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God and our Savior towards man appeared, not by work of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Through the washing of the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, that we should become heirs according, uh, uh, according to the hope of eternal life. And so the word regeneration means to uh, renovate, regenerate. It's the production of a new life consecrated to God. It's a radical change of mind for the better. The word often is used to denote the restoration of things to its pristine state. It's renovation as renewal or restoration of life after death. Now, how many of you live in a house? Didn't we just see in John 14, he's prepared a mansion for us? Can you imagine what your mansion looks like? Now, we built a house according to what we have, our, our abilities. But can you imagine what it's going to like to live in our mansion that he built for us? Did you know he built this mansion? He's prepared a place for you with everything that you like because he already knows what you like. I mean, whatever colors you like, whatever flooring you like, whatever appliances you like. I don't know if we're going to cook in heaven, but, you know, whatever it is, he knows what you like. He's made this perfect absolutely wonderful home just for you to live in for eternity now can you imagine what would happen if he came down and came to your house what if he came to your house today you wouldn't call it you know homes and garden tv you'd call it holy ghost tv you know hgtv came to my house the holy ghost changed everything i mean wow this is phenomenal but that's what he's doing to you on the inside through the holy ghost go with me to jude Somebody say, I want my soul back. I'm not sure exactly where I'll start. I'll start with verse 12. But Jude is basically describing some things that are going to happen in the last day. But we'll start here in verse 12 for sacred time. These are spots in your love feast. Well, where is your love feast? I believe this is talking about the church. You know, not everybody in a church is perfect. And if you feel like you found the perfect church, I just want to let you know until you're perfect, you've ruined the perfect church. Because none of us are perfect. Amen. But we are being renewed day by day. And while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves, they are clouds without water, carried about by winds, 
late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging weaves of the seed, foaming up at their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved for the blackness of darkness forever. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them and their ungodly deeds which they have commanded in an ungodly way and all and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, according, uh, and the, they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, but you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who cause division, not having the spirit. But you, beloved, but you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and having some compassion, making a, a, a distinction there. So anyway, what is he saying there? He's saying, listen, in life, there are going to be challenges. And I would venture to say that most of the challenges that we experience in life has to deal with other people. Usually I'm not discouraged if I have a flat tire or there's a mechanical problem with my house or my car. That usually doesn't discourage me too much. No, I don't like it, but, you know, I know I can get through it. But it's those words. It's the people who've caused division. It's the people who you know, have tried to turn other people against me because they're angry with me. Those things hurt me. You know, and the other day I was just talking to the Lord about this and I was doing what Joshua was doing. I was complaining. Joshua complained, Lord, you know, how come you brought us here? And, and, and you know, we can't even defeat AI. And the Lord said, you got sin in the camp. But, but anyway, I was, I was having a Joshua moment. I was having a Job moment. Lord, now aren't I righteous? What's going on here? You know, I said, and then finally I said, how did I let this in? And the Lord said, when have you been really praying in the Holy Ghost? Ah, I let this thing in, and I haven't been praying in the Holy Ghost as much. And I want to let you know I got up, asked God to forgive me for dwelling on those things which are negative, and I began to pray in the Holy Ghost, and all of a sudden it started building back up inside me, you know, Seeing people, loving people, seeing them the way God wants me to see them, not dwelling on what the wrong that they did to me, but begin to dwell on the right that, you know, I experienced maybe in their presence or other good things that we experienced one time or another in our life. And that's why it's so important. That's what Jude said. Listen, when you get in this situation, you get in this rut, pray in the Holy Ghost. Ask God to help you. Ask God to reveal to you, you know, where you've left this door open. And go back, shut that door, and move on. Because you know what? Somebody else's opinion is not worth forfeiting God's plan for your life. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org, or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember... You are God's best.